0: We believe that everyone has the power to make an
1: impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify
0: our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Andrew Sirius. Andrew, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thrilled to have this opportunity to share your story with our listeners. So start there. Maybe tell us a little bit more about how you got into the real estate space in the first place.
1: Yeah. Well, I I was lucky in a way, my, my father had actually started in real estate. He started, well, first he started and failed trying to buy houses in Portland Then he started again and succeeded doing student rentals, uh, buying houses or small apartments around the University of Oregon, and just like finding every nook and cranny inside the house to make a bedroom. So it's like you got a three bedroom, two bath, all of a sudden it's a five bedroom, two bath, or he cuts off- Like a
0: treasure hunter.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's it's an art, uh, more an art than a science, turning these houses into bedrooms, because student rentals tend to rent by the room. Uh, more over than just like you know, a three bed to four bed for, uh, for a family would be fairly similar but a, th- but a four bedroom house for a student rental would be four almost, you know, not units but sort of like four students would be renting and they'd, they'd rent by the room and it'd be uh, substantially more. So I, after I graduated from the UO I started working with my dad, that market they've gotten bid up at the student family uh, a little bit too much. And so we started flipping houses uh, around 2006, and that was going fine until some, you know, event. Some of your listeners may have heard of that happened around 2008ish. Uh, in oh, which case you know, that, just a yeah,
0: tiny little blip. A little radar. speed bump.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, at that, yeah, that made it a little bit trickier. We we started. We, we were holding a little bit, then we really started just like we have to sell everything, kind of uh, when the market was. Crash, not the cinnamon, but the other stuff we were buying, we were getting more. Um, and then we got into short sales, uh, you know, if, real quick, you know, somebody's behind their mortgage, the bank, they, they sell it for less than their mortgage is worth, uh, and the bank agrees to it. And so we got we kind of specialized in that, that dried up and we were looking for another opportunity and kind of on a whim, uh, we went out with a friend of ours who was uh, investing in different places throughout the country. I need would settle on Kansas City as being his favorite. And Kansas City was kind of convenient for us because my uh, my parents, both my father and my mother, are both from the Midwest. I have grandparents and uncles and aunts all up and down Kansas and Missouri and, and Texas and Oklahoma and whatnot. And so it, it kind of, when we went out there and you'll be shocked to hear this, but the Midwest is actually substantially cheaper, uh, less expensive okay. to buy uh, than the West Coast is. Even, you know, Eugene, Oregon isn't as bad as, San Francisco or LA, but it's still not not uh, not cheap. And so the you know the, the the rents are less, but not anywhere near as as much less as the prices were. And so uh, it cash was a lot better. We wanted to get back in a buying hold with cash flow, so I ended up making the trip out here. And then my brother Philip, uh, who's three years my younger, um, he ended up joining me uh, about nine months afterwards. And we kind of split into different fashions. We started. We kind of started with apartments and then moved more towards houses. Kansas City, I think, has more houses per capita than any other city. Like house versus apartment, it's very heavily focused towards the houses, and buying those in in in, in bulk in large numbers. So not like the uh, you know kind of moving towards a um, a more commercial investor mindset, but with more with smaller units, houses and, apartments, and small apartments and doing the Burr model, buying, rehabbing them, getting some equity there, and then refinancing them, bundling them together, refinancing them. And as we went through that, we ended up buying some apartments, buying some portfolios of houses, which is kind of one of the things that has, I think, separated us from other other investors as there aren't a lot of people looking for portfolios of houses it's it's a good kind of in between the hedge funds if they if, if they're interested they want hundred in the best parts of town, and smaller investors aren't capable of taking on 10, 15 at a time. So it, we, we kind of fit into a very good niche there, uh, and so that, that's kind of yeah we've just kind of growing with that ever since. And that was uh, we came out here in January of 2011, so uh, just over just over ten years, just over a decade out here.
0: Wow. Well, before we dive further into that and all that you're doing now, I wanted to go back and ask. So it sounds like you sort of grew up with real estate. Is that right? Were you Was your dad teaching you a lot of stuff or was he sort of figuring out it himself? i well. think he was
1: trying to i mean he'd take us to these houses he was working on and like like uh you know after 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 school or church or something like that he would he would take us all you know by and then stop by and like oh we're buying i'm buying this house we should look at him we should just like a dad we want to go home <laughs> so, i don't know if, i don't know if it uh sunk in during my uh, younger adolescence yeah college that really you in know, business school started realizing uh, looking at business business principles and realizing that real estate, I think, is the best way for the way my dad puts it, the best way for someone for someone of modest means to become independently wealthy. And I think that's a good way to put it. I think um, other other businesses, the 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 you build your assets much quicker with other businesses. It's it's sort of like a job for quite a while. Even if even if you have some success, you know you don't have a lot of equity in your business. But you by being able to purchase a piece of property. You have equity in that business very quickly, and I think that that creates more of uh, an easier ability to to grow. So, I would to say I think my dad tried to instill that in us. I think he failed, uh, but eventually, circuit college years, you know, maybe when I was twenty or so, uh, started to started to get in there a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's it seemed to work out just fine. And this what I love about this partnership, this family business, is that. You know, it sounds like you guys were very resourceful and were able to pivot when surprise things like the great recession yeah. uh, came along and rather than throw in the towel, much like you were talking about how your dad was looking for additional ways to add bedrooms or be creative, you know, in real estate, often you have to be creative because, not everything goes according to plan, especially when you're when you're doing things like flips or short sales. There's always surprises along the way. But what I love is that through it all, it seems you guys never threw in the towel. You were just like, okay, this is happening. What's next? How can we pivot or change course, but still keep going, still keep learning? And I think that's an admirable quality.
1: I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I think that's I think that's one of the things, the market, there's, I I look back at 2011 often with a lot of nostalgia, 2011, 12, 13, the the prices were so cheap. There was so much on the market. We just go on trips and look at like a dozen, 15 REOs, you know, bank owned properties, mostly single family with some, some multis and, you know, make an offer on a bunch of them, maybe get two. And uh, that is gone. Like there aren't very many REOs, but I think what people Forget they, they, you know, they have these rose tinted glasses, and that's kind of what you're it, it, You need to pivot. You always, you're always needing to pivot as the market changes, and that market was great in its one way, in a certain way, but it's also awful. I mean, there was no bank financing. Like we had one bank, I, I, we were rejected so many times for bank financing until about 2015. we Finally, started getting loans, but. Before that, we had one bank that we were finally able to get about two years after we started. Uh, we were relying mostly on private lenders before then. Um, and that bank was charging 6.5% interest at 15-year amortization, and they wanted the property to seize for two full years. Season, I'm sorry, for two full years before they'd lend at the appraised value. Before that, it's just the amount of cash you add into it. So it was just like the financing then was awful. The financing today is ridiculous. I, my home mortgage for my personal is 3%. I mean, that's just, that's just stupid. And so I think like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of my, my dad went from student housing, that kind of dried up, went to flipping and short sales, that dried up, get back into buying REOs and bank owned properties and holding. I think the advantage now, particularly for people looking to get started, is the difference between the interest rate and inflation is is just nuts like there's not a lot of burr is tough right now to buy for 75 percent. they're still out there but if you're going to market for that kind of deal it's going to be more challenging you have to spend more marketing money you have to look you have to look a lot harder you're going to find less it's i I think almost you never want to settle for market you know but i think you can settle for a little bit less now less equity by getting as long as you get long-term interest you, uh, fixed rates no no adjustables <laughs> okay. because you know if inflation is seven percent you can get a, you know we're getting four to four and a half percent on our investment properties that that spread there is um, you're almost just profiting by borrowing money now you got to borrow smart you got to have some built-in equity the property needs the cash flow you're not you know the market could Could we have could have another 2008? I don't think so because of the housing shortage and the general inflation, which didn't exist then. But I do think there is a major opportunity with taking out long-term fixed debt. If you can get that, whether it's through house hacking or FHA or whether it's through uh, buying apartments and syndicating, this is the time to do that. Um, That's the advantage of this market. Back then in 2011 was the glut of REOs, um, but the financing was awful, so you had to find a way to but to find a find way a way to get them financed, private lenders and whatnot. Uh, now it's there's a there's not that many properties, but the financing is incredible. And if you can get long-term fixed debt, uh, then I think you have that, that's just that's something where this spread between inflation and interest rates is something I don't think we're going to see for a long time. It can't last. I mean, it is just it just doesn't make sense for it to last, right? <laughs> mm,
0: indeed, and it's it's a it's a unique time for sure. Now that I, I want to. Safe yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you about so, with all these different things um, that you guys did, did you take on partners or was it your own capital that you were able to snowball? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: It was kind of a combination of things. Um, you know, my dad did bring some money to the table, which was very convenient and something that most people don't have the advantage of. But that I think allowed us to go faster. It's not a it's not an impediment for somebody who doesn't have that. Um, We we also um, use a lot of private lenders. We do a lot of trustees. So we're doing houses. We don't do partnerships. Um, We just bring in get a private lender, usually eight percent, maybe nine percent interest only, and then we do the Burr model and we refinance. We portfolios and refinance out. If we're doing a larger uh, deal then we would syndicate usually like an apartment or a large portfolio like we did a large portfolio like the biggest portfolio of houses we did was 97 houses and we did do a partnership on that where we did a tenants in common. So it really just depends on um on the deal. And and it generally the generally with the smaller ones it's it I don't think it makes sense to do any sort of, you know, partnerships or syndications uh, unless yeah you know, partnership maybe if, if if you're getting started, but um it, it's when it gets to those larger ones where you need to raise a lot of capital and you start looking at partnerships and syndications. And like that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so with now that you've been involved in different aspects of real estate, all sorts of different um, asset classes and different types of real estate. Given where we are right now with, um, the unique situation we are in with the low interest rates and the high inflation, um, are you, where are you seeing the opportunity out there? Are you focused on the single family homes, the portfolios, the burs, multifamily, where do you see that opportunity?
1: And we're trying to shift a little bit more towards multifamily. Um, we, you know, we, we do both, but, um, With regards to single family, the the tricky part about single family now is it's getting so expensive that it's very hard to make it cash flow. I mean, rents are going up, but they're not keeping pace with prices, particularly in the nicer areas. And so we are getting hit on refinances with the debt service coverage ratios, banks are not. You know they'll praise fine and then they'll be like oh but we can only give you like a 71 percent loan or 69 percent because of you know your debt service cover your your rents just don't cover enough for their uh, analysis they need to hit you know you need to be one you need to have 1.2 times uh the debt service payment in total in gross and in, in net income i'm sorry your net income needs to be 1.2 times the debt the debt service uh, and that has been an impediment. So it's easier to cash flow, bit better with apartments. And because the the one thing that's a bit more difficult with apartments is um, it's very easy, especially uh, or not very easy, but it's much easier to uh, estimate what a house will appraise for because you're just comparing it to other houses. With apartments, it's all you know. It's all about the cap rate and comparing it. You know, there's not like and like to compare it to. So it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more. Difficult to figure out, okay, this apartment, we fixed it up, we increased the NOI to this percent, at this amount. The appraiser, you know, will uh, will appraise it at this cap rate. And it, it's a little bit stickier. There's more variables in it. Um, so that can make it a little bit more challenging to burr out an apartment, although you have more control over it. If you can get that that uh, net operating income up, that will increase your value of an apartment. It will not increase your value of a house. That's all based on comparable sales. So but because we want to move more towards cash flow, uh, because we're having so many problems with that uh, service coverage ratios from banks, and also because uh, there's just not a lot of houses on the market and right now, we're trying to we're not we're not we're moving away more away from Burr and more from let's get good solid assets that cash flow that aren't that aren't gut job rehabs. Let's get a bit of a deal on them, but we don't need the the seventy five percent. We want to make sure we're in a very solid area that's not going to fall apart if there's a recession, that there that it's a cash flowing property that will get through it, that we have a little bit, you know, a bit of a cushion that we can get long term debt on it quickly because I mean, uh, there's already some signs that interest rates will be will be going up and I, I'm sure they will there's no way the interest rates will be this low this time next year I just I can't imagine. that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's so important what you mentioned there around just defining exactly what you're looking for, having very clear criteria. So you know exactly what falls in your yes bucket and what falls in your no bucket. Absolutely. Um, but as you're looking at these properties, you mentioned you're you're seeing some opportunity in multifamily, but you're, the bulk of your experience has been with these um, single-family homes and these portfolios. And I think a lot of our listeners are sort of in that same boat where the, maybe they have experience in some other aspect um, of multifamily, but they're interested in getting into multifamily or maybe they want to expand their multifamily experience. So share with us a little bit about um, what you're doing in that regard. Are you actively going out and meeting with brokers? Are you doing direct mail? How are you um, finding and assessing those multifamily opportunities?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have not started a mailing campaign yet, although I do think mailing campaigns can work. Um, it's a little tricky. Everything as far as finding sellers now is more difficult, but I, I do think the, the out-of-state, you know, there's no, nobody's really getting, very few people are getting foreclosed on now, so that, that market's not really there. But the yeah, out-of-state hired landlord, uh, particularly if um, that if you can find those on like list source, makes sense to market. Right now, we're really trying to network with with all the brokers in town, to get our and, and get on all their lists because usually they'll send them out to to their their best buyers first before posting them on who better coasts are, and after that they've usually been picked over a bit. So we're trying to get on all of those lists. Um, we are uh, trying to, re- and also to getting in with, with property managers, letting them know that we are, that's more for portfolios. We do it by a lot of that. Like if somebody is liquidating, please think of us, uh, give us a call. We can make an offer on their portfolio of houses, especially like, there aren't a ton of buyers for that. But I think getting on, like doing a lot of networking, going to you know the, your local RIA group, CCIM group, IRM, uh, that's I-R-E-M, property managers, the apartment association, trying to go to those places and, and get yourself out there and getting, um, getting on those lists. And I think we probably will start a mailing campaign, particularly for out-of-state landlords um, who have um, apartments in, in the areas that we're looking uh, probably in the relatively near future. So um, I think those are the main things we're looking for uh, as to get our, not a foot in the door, but kind of expand our, our reach for finding Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, Andrew, you've you've seen so much success um, within just the last decade alone in real estate. I'm curious, as you look down the road, what's your vision for where you're going? Are you thinking, continue to build up that portfolio of single-family homes, expand into commercial, multifamily, all of that stuff? Or tell us a little bit about what's ahead for you.
1: Of course. Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's sort of to expand more so into the multifamily area. Um, eventually, we'd want to open up, and I mean, my father's in Oregon, of course, and, but probably open up another market. But I think right now we really want to consolidate our, our position here in Kansas City. I, I think, uh, you know, we're not going to stop buying single families, um, but probably move more towards either buying when we buy single families as portfolios, not the onesies, twosies, and looking for more apartments and larger apartments. I mean, uh, we don't, you know, our apartments we bought are like, you know, 15 to 30 some units, we're getting into the 100 plus unit range. So those would be, and some commercial too, we have uh, dipped our toes in that market with like smaller offices and, and retail, but like getting into the you know, 10, 20,000 plus square feet type uh, uh, establishment. So moving more from the residential side to the commercial side, uh, both apartments and, and office and retail, I think it's, it's where we're looking to expand to right now.
0: I love it. Well, Andrew, it's clear you've you've seen a ton of success, and you're you're doing you. so many different things to even expand that further. And clearly, you're open um, to sharing your experience, which I always love. I always say real estate is such a team sport, and so I'm sure that our listeners will want to reach out and learn more. So share with them where can they go um, to learn more about all that you're doing.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the first place I'd say is uh, my brother and I, my brother Philip, and I have a YouTube channel, uh, the Sirius Brothers, Sirius S Y R I O S. We'd love it if to come check that out and subscribe. I also have a Substack I write on or I just started, Andrew Sirius, I think. Substack.com. And, uh, and yeah, those are the best places to go. Stewardship Properties is a company website that kind of encompasses all of Eugene, Kansas City, um, and whatnot. But yeah, uh, please
0: please check out our YouTube and I'd and, uh, very much appreciate. Fantastic. Well, I I always love uh, people who have influencers and um, real estate investors who have YouTube channels because it's such a great way to just connect with people in this day and age. So and to share value and to um, teach people what you've learned and share more about your experiences. So for all our listeners. You heard Andrew, be sure to head over to his YouTube channel and subscribe to the Sirius Brothers so you can learn more about all that they're doing. Andrew, thank you so much for being here with all of us today and sharing your story and your insights. Uh, So Have so enjoyed having you here. And for all of our listeners, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com. And please also
1: join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about
0: you.